Well, again, welcome to H2O. It is great to have you here with us. My name is Brian Wiles. Uh, I'm one of the, the pastors here at H2O, and it's so good to be together. Man, there's, there's so much going on this weekend in Bowling Green. It's been an exciting weekend. For me, I, I love living in a college town with all the energy, with the black swamp right out our door. You might have had a little hard time finding parking, so thanks for uh, making a commitment to be here, even though it may not have been that easy. And, and over on campus, there's family weekends. Some of you may even be in town visiting that. There are tons of sporting events, and so we're just really thankful that you uh, made H2O a priority, that you made church a priority, and that you're you're here, and uh, we love being able to worship together. And so a special welcome if you're newer to H2O, you're checking things out, if you're visiting with a family member or a friend, it's great to have you here, and uh, we, we really just love to invite you into kind of our family gathering as we're worshiping God together today. And uh, if you've been with us, uh, we launch into this school year both on the campus side and on the city side with this series that we're calling Let Me be me. And the idea behind this series, it's a three-week series, is that we would just lay out for our church, both, uh, both people who've been with us for a while and people who are new, lay out who we really are and lay out the heart of what our church is all about. Because one thing that is, is certain in our world and our culture is that we cannot stand uh, fakeness. We don't like to be performed for. We want to know what a church is really about. And so our desire was to, to not pull any punches, but just to, to share uh, the heart of H2O as we've launched into this year. So the first week, we talked about this connection up with God and, and how everything we do as a church is based on what has been done for us by God as he sent his son Jesus uh, to come to this earth, uh, to walk on it, to live a perfect life, and then eventually to die for us. And so we talked about this great connection up with God. We talked about connecting God to people. And then last week, we talked about this reality of community and how, how there, there's something deep inside of us that wants to be part of real relationships. And, and so we talked about connecting people to community, that, there, that there's so, so much value in the idea of not just having surface-level relationships, but having meaningful relationships and community that actually matters. And today, we're talking about that, taking that community and connecting that community to mission. Connecting that community to mission, and, and really, if you look at our church, if you could boil it down to those three points, the reality that we want to connect God to people, that we want to connect people to community, and that we want to connect our community to mission, that is the heart of what we're about, and the reason why we're about that is because that's what Jesus was actually about. If you look at the life of Jesus, uh, his life was marked by those three great connections, and, and I think today as we move into this idea of talking about connecting our community to mission, uh, we know, again, that deep inside of us, there's something that wants to be part of something bigger than ourselves, right? We want a mission. We want to be part of change. We want to be part of making a valuable contribution to the world that, that God has put us in. It's something that, that every single human wants deep down inside of us. We're, we're restless for making an impact. We're restless for being part of something that actually matters. We don't want to just live our lives for ourselves. We want to live our lives to actually do something for the people around us. We want to be part of a mission. But sometimes the question is, well, what mission is God even calling me to? Or what does it look like to actually be part of a mission? And so today, the big idea that we're going to talk about is God's mission. The big idea is that God's mission is to welcome sinners into his family. God's mission is to welcome sinners into his family. And as we think about that reality, uh, we say it because as you look at the pages of the Bible, over and over again, that is what Jesus did. 
Jesus initiated with people. Jesus went out into the world. Jesus didn't just wait and have people come to him. He went and, and sought out people who were thirsty for him, and, and, and he invited them into the family of God. You know, uh, it's interesting, though, because even as we think about that big idea, we talk about the reality that, that God's mission is to invite sinners into God's family. And uh, as we do that, uh, we have to recognize that, that all of us have that label, at least on some level or another. All of us have some type of brokenness, some type of pain that exists in our life. And uh, as, we, as we do the mission that God has called us to do, sometimes that can be messy a little bit, can it? Sometimes uh, all of us, we have pain or brokenness or hurts in our life that, that can lead to messiness. Sometimes being part of God's mission actually calls us to interact with people that we may not click with. People that may rub us the wrong way. Even maybe shady people to some extent. And in the story that we're going to look at today, we actually see Jesus come face to face with this guy who's kind of a con artist, actually. We see Jesus come face to face with this man who's, who's a pretty shady character. And, and as you think about that, I, I want you to even just think about that question. Have you ever interacted with somebody like that before? Have you ever come into contact with a shady character? Maybe you're buying a car. You know, I use car salesmen get such a bad rap, by the way, anyway. But, you know, maybe you were buying a car and you felt like the person that you were dealing with was a little bit of a shady character. We had this situation happen in our church about five or six years ago. It's, it's humorous now. Uh, don't worry, I'm not going to call anybody in here shady. But... Uh, as we were, uh, we were starting to grow as a church five or six years ago, God was doing some really cool things. One of the uh, things that, that we were doing is we were welcoming students onto campus as we were having these outdoor movies. And, uh, and so we'd rent these big blow-up screens, and we'd show a movie, you know, the first couple weeks of classes. And we did that uh, because, you know, it's a great alternative to, to going out, and it's a great way to meet people. And uh, so we were renting these, these screens, we were showing these movies, and we were realizing it's kind of expensive to rent these screens. Maybe we should just buy one. And so we had this brand new staff member, Sean, he's still with us, um, and, and, and so his first job on staff was to research and potentially buy a big blow-up screen. So Sean goes and he starts researching what it would look like to, to buy a blow-up screen, and he goes and he's checking, you know, he's a computer guy, he's good at researching that stuff. He comes back to us, the pastors, he's like, guys, this, this is way more expensive than we think. We're not going to be able to afford, we just, we're just going to have to keep running, and we're like, okay, well, keep trying a little bit harder, see if you can find something, you know, because we're frugal around here. And so, uh, so he's looking a little bit more, and he comes to us one day, he's like, guys, I found it. I don't know how it is, but I, I found this deal that is an amazing deal. I think we should go for it. Now, just a little life lesson, like life hack here with Brian Wiles. Uh, if it sounds too good to be true, it's probably too good to be true, right? And so, but... <laughs> We threw caution to the wind, and we're like, let's do it, you know. And so uh, Sean has this interaction with this guy. He's a real person, you know, um, and, and he, he has this business uh, down in Kentucky. And uh, so Sean says, we want to buy a screen from you. The guy says, okay, um, you know, let's not, let's not do it through eBay or any, like, legitimate source. Just send me a check, and, and I'll get you the screen. And we're like, uh, okay, I guess that sounds good, you know, I mean, he's got an address, he, we talked to him on the phone, you know, um, it's not like he's overseas, you know, making things up, he's a real person, so we're like, all right, so uh, we send this guy the check, 
terrible decision. And uh, so, so we said, and, and, and his name is Lewis. We have these running jokes on our staff team about Lewis now. So, so we send Lewis a check. And uh, we have our event like two months later. And uh, it's supposed to come in. The event's in like August. We, it's supposed to come in in June. And, and so the date comes where the screen's supposed to come. And it doesn't show up. And so we call Lewis on the phone. Lewis, screen hasn't shown up yet. Oh, that's okay. Don't worry, don't worry. They're just a little backlog. It's going to be there by July. All right, Lewis. Okay, we sent you the money, right? Oh, yeah, it's, it's fine. July comes. Screen doesn't show up. We call Lewis again. Lewis, we're getting a little bit nervous. You know, we got this event. There's going to be hundreds of people coming to it. We need our screen. Don't worry. It's going to be there by August 1st. No worry. You don't have anything to worry about. August 1st comes. No screen, right? So we call Lewis again. Lewis, we need the screen, man. All right, there's students coming. People are coming. It will be there. Do not worry. The date of the event comes. Guess what? The screen's not there, you know? And so we have to run out and rent one, scramble, get everything worked out. And so now we're a little bit upset with our friend Lewis, right? And so <laughs> it starts to become this thing where <laughs> we have this conversation. What we realize is Lewis is a pathological liar, you know? Like literally, I've never met a guy. And so we would pass him off to different staff members like, you try to deal with Lewis, you know? Because eventually we're like, we either want the screen or we want the, Lu- the money, Lewis. And so uh, we're, we're calling him, I'm sorry, guys, it's still going to get taken care of. So this goes on for like six more months and we're still hounding Lewis and we're still hounding Lewis. And uh, finally, we hit the point where we're like, Lewis, this isn't going to work out. Just send us our money back. Okay, you want to check? All right, it'll be in the mail. Okay, look for it in two days. Yeah, it'll be there. It'll be there. And we're like, okay, go out to the mailbox. The check's not there. All right. So we get to the point where, where um, I'm a pastor, you know. Um, I'm supposed to be nice to people, loving to people. But this guy is really driving me crazy because, I mean, if you're going to, like, rip me off, at least just call me on the phone and say, I'm going to steal your money, you know. <laughs> like, like, don't keep lying to me over and over and over again. So, so <laughs> finally it gets passed down to me because I'm like, I'm going to try and deal with this. So I call Lewis. I say, Lewis, do you feel good about stealing from a church? <laughs> I just want you to know, this is a real church. We're real people. Like, do you feel good? No, 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 I'm sorry. I call the police down there, you know, because now it's like it's just a personal thing. I'm trying. So the police go down, and they knock on his door. They say, hey, this church said you stole money for him. Are you going to do anything about it? He's like, oh, I'm going to send them their money. I'm going to send them their screen. I call him the next day. I say, Lewis, did the police show up? Yeah, we can't have that happen anymore. Okay, I got a really easy way to fix it. Send us our money back, you know, and it's in the mail. It's in the mail. Long story short. Five years later, we're down. We still haven't given up on Lewis, all right? So we're down in Kentucky this summer on, on a retreat, and we realized just out of the blue that Lewis actually lives pretty close to this place we're traveling to. So we're like, doggone it, we are going to go, and, and we had no plan whatsoever. We, we, we were driving, we're like, we're going to go find Lewis. So we have this invoice that he gave us, and we have this address, and, uh, and so there's like five of us in the van, and we're driving there, and, and all of a sudden somebody's like, what are we going to do if he's actually there? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we're not going to break his kneecaps, even though we might want to. Uh, I have no clue what we're going to do, and so, so we walk into, <laughs> we, we find the address, we literally just walk in, and I don't even know, but I'm I'm just acting like I have a plan, and uh, that's kind of how I do a lot of things, just so you know. And so we're walking into the, the, the building, and there's two guys, these, these guys from Kentucky, and they're, they're just sitting there literally just chilling out in this little shop. I walk in, I'm like, is one of you guys Lewis? They're like, Lewis? And I'm like, yeah, Lewis Cleaver. He's like, 
no, 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 no. But he did used to live down the road a little bit. And I'm like, you're telling me this isn't, he's like, he's never had a shop here. This isn't his address. He gave us the wrong address. He's like, but if you drive back into town, he does have a brand new black truck that he's driving around town. You might be able to find him. I'm like, that's our truck. That's our money. <laughs> so we didn't waste our time driving around town. But the, Lewis was this, like, he's this, the epitome of a shady character. If you're watching, Lewis, I mean, Jesus loves you, but we want our money back, all right? He's like the epitome of this, this shady character. And, and sometimes when we think about that, honestly, like, it's hard to root for a guy like that, isn't it? It's hard to, like, want to pull for a guy like that. But God's mission calls us to love every single person. There's actually been times where we'll be venting about Lewis. And we'll say, you know what, we actually probably should pray for this guy. Because he's a real person. And, and, and God probably wants to invite him into his family as well. And so as we think about that, we're going to watch Jesus interact with somebody really similar to Lewis here today. Uh, the guy that Jesus is going to interact with, the passage that we're going to look at, is this guy by the name of Zacchaeus. Maybe you've heard of Zacchaeus. He's a pretty uh, famous guy. And, and so let me give you a little background about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. And he climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Yeah, you guys might have heard that song if you ended up uh, going to church as a, as a young kid. Um, but, but we want to look at this story of Zacchaeus and see how Jesus interacts with him and see the mission that God calls him to, even though Zacchaeus is a pretty shady person. So Luke chapter 19 is where we're going to be at. Luke chapter 19, we're going to start in verse 1. It says this. Jesus entered Jericho, and he was passing through, and a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and a wealthy man, and he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead, and he climbed up in a sycamore tree to see him since Jesus was coming his way. And we're going to stop right there for a minute. You have notes in your handout or on our H2O app, and we're going we're gonna to ask this question. As we come to look at the story of Zacchaeus, do you want to see Jesus? Did, did you read that passage? It says, Zacchaeus, he was a wealthy man. Jesus is coming into town, and Zacchaeus actually does something that's pretty profound. Zacchaeus has a lot of issues. We're going to talk about those here in just a minute. But despite his issues, despite his brokenness, Zacchaeus does something that is extremely important. Zacchaeus actually throws off, he throws caution to the wind. He runs and he climbs up a tree. Now, it's an interesting picture, isn't it? I mean, this is like a pretty wealthy guy, a pretty established guy, probably an influential guy. And, and we know during that time and during that culture that it was very rare for a dignified man to run. And so Zacchaeus takes off running to get ahead of Jesus. He climbs this tree because it says he wants to see Jesus. So for all of his brokenness, for all of the messiness, for all of his shadiness, Zacchaeus actually has something that I want to ask the question, do we have as well? Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. And that is the starting point for all of us in entering into a relationship with Jesus, is asking the question, do we actually want to see Jesus as well? You know, uh, it's, it's cool. One of the favorite things I get to do as part of my job here at H2O is I get to be the chaplain on the, the Bowling Green football team. And so when I'm down on the sidelines, there's this phrase that guys say a lot of times, among other phrases, but the, the, the phrase that these guys say is, I see you. I see you. 
I, I see you, 2-7. I, I see you. And, and the idea with that phrase is that, like, it's, it's not like a physical thing, like, I see you. It's a thing like, I, hey, I, I'm for you. I want to know you. I, I, I care about you. I value you. And, and so the question that we have to ask is, like, maybe if this was written in this time, it would say, Zacchaeus said to Jesus, I see you. Because there's something deeper inside of him that says, I want to know Jesus. And the question for all of us is, as God is kind of walking into your life, just as Jesus is walking into Jericho here, do we kind of turn the other way? Maybe ignore him? Maybe try to avoid him? Or do we go out and see him to find out what he's all about? You see, Zacchaeus wanted to know who Jesus was and what he's all about. And it's a starting point for all of us. So let's jump back in really quick. And in verse 5 here, it says this. So when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up. And he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And so he came down at once, and he welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this, and they began to mutter, he is going to be a guest of a sinner. He went to Lewis's house, man. Jesus went to a shady guy's house. And secondly, it just tells us this, that Jesus loves sinners. Jesus truly loves sinners. He truly loves broken people. I mean, as we think about the life of Zacchaeus, what we know about tax collectors during that time is literally they would do things like Lewis did to us. They had the authority of the government behind them, so you had to give them their money, but they would add a surcharge of their own choosing oftentimes, and they would keep that and throw it on top of what you actually owed the government. And so can you picture this little guy walking around town? He, he's all decked out and, and all the trimmings of what it looks like to be a wealthy, successful person. And you know as he's walking around town that that's my money, man. I gave that to him. That's not right. But you couldn't do anything about it. And so that's why tax collectors were so hated because they literally stole from everybody. There, there was a category of sinners and then there was a category of tax collectors. It was like, I can't believe, I can't even be around you. There's nothing appealing about a person like that who takes from other people. And so they were despised. You know, we talk about the IRS. And it's like nobody raises their hand and said, oh, I just love the IRS. But these people were way worse because they were literally stealing from every single person. And as you think about that, Jesus still initiated with him. And I think that the Bible shows us this story because in a certain sense, written to those people during those times, it was like Zacchaeus was almost the worst of the worst. But what Jesus is saying is, I want to initiate with even the worst of the worst. So no matter what your background is, no matter how broken you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've come from, Jesus loves you. And those aren't just, uh, and it's not just a catchphrase, it's a reality that we see over and over and over again throughout the pages of Scripture. And his mission isn't just to love you and keep you where you are, his mission is to love you and invite you into his family so that you can experience abundance of life and richness and fullness and so that you can turn from your sin and walk with Christ. You know, it, it, it's funny though because we like to categorize people into a couple different categories oftentimes in life, don't we? We talk about this a lot because I think it's a condition that our world deals with so much. We do pretty similar thing to what happened during those times. We say there's, there's good people and there's bad people. And, and, and usually when we say that, we're kind of comparing ourselves to the bad people so that we can put ourselves in the category of the good people. 
don't we? I, I, mean, I mean, it feels good to, to look at a guy like Zacchaeus or to talk about a guy like Lewis and say, I would never do that. I mean, I'd never steal from everyone in my community, and so i got to be a little bit better than that. And, and the reality is there, there's not these two categories of good people and bad people. Jesus wants to invite all sinners into his family, and every single one of us, the Bible says, has sin. It may look different. It may play out different, but we're all on a level playing field. Every single one of us needs to be restored to Christ, and it can only be done by God's grace. So we can't look at people and categorize ourselves and think, well, I just kind of need a little bit of God's grace because they need a lot. We have to look at all of us and say, compared to God, we're all sinners. We're all brokenness. And so we can root for each other. We can push one another forward. We can get on mission with God to invite even the worst of sinners into God's family. Jesus loves sinners, and he initiates with them. He talks to, Jesus, says, or talks to Zacchaeus and says, I'm going to your house. That was a big deal, again, in that culture, to walk into the house of a man who's so broken and so despised in the community. And Jesus did it to make a statement. I'm not worried about keeping the religious people happy. I don't care what they think of me. That's not my mission. My mission is to invite sinners into God's family. Let's move on. Let's see what Zacchaeus does as Jesus comes to his house. But Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. See, the third thing we learn from this story is that real faith leads to real transformation. Real faith leads to real transformation. Think about that conversation that they must have had around the dinner table. We don't get a picture into it. I kind of wish we did, but we don't. But we see Zacchaeus' response. And what does he do? He says, man, I'm going to actually recognize my sin. You see, we can't actually move towards Christ until we recognize our sin. And then Zacchaeus, he deals with it so much so that he says, listen, I'm going to pay everybody back. I've stolen from all these people but I want to show them that I've been changed. I've been transformed by the power of the love of Christ. And so he initiates this idea of, of paying people back. Zacchaeus is transformed. He's like a, a new creation. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, in, in the scriptures, it says, Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And Zacchaeus is literally living that out and displaying that as we watch him. And, and now the money is not so important. Now the status is not so important to him. He humbles himself and he says, listen, I'm going to give it all back because I've been changed. I've been transformed. Honesty becomes more important than gain to him. Brokenness becomes more important than connecting with Jesus. See, Zacchaeus has become a different man. He's become a new man. And I want us to catch something here as we look at this passage because I think it's so important for us to know that the response that Zacchaeus had isn't what made Jesus love him, right? It's not like Jesus said, oh, because you said you're going to give everything back, I'm going to love you. No, Jesus initiated with Zacchaeus when he was still a sinner, when he was climbing up in that tree and everybody was looking at him, Jesus initiated with him. And so our repentance does not lead to God's kindness. Do you understand that? Our repentance, our good works, our good behavior, our good actions, that doesn't lead to God's kindness. 
God's kindness leads to our repentance. And sometimes we get those two switched around, don't we? Sometimes we think, oh, if I can just do enough good works, if I can just do enough good actions, if I can just dress up and go to church enough, then maybe God will love me. If I can do enough good deeds, then, then God will love me. That's not how it works. You can rest in who you are. You can seek Jesus right where you are. And his kindness, his grace, his love, it extends to you. And then when you experience it, it will change you. It will transform you. You'll be like that new creation that's talked about in the Bible. And so don't get those two mixed up. Rest in God's grace and allow it to transform you. And then when you're transformed, it's actually coming out of the overflow of your heart rather than coming out of of, of a sense of duty or obligation or works. God's kindness leads us to repentance. Our repentance doesn't lead to God's kindness. It's already there waiting for us to grab hold of and rest in. And the question is, will we respond to his kindness and love that he's graciously poured out for us? And let's check out this last part. Luke 19, verse 9. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. What that means is this man is part of the family of God, a son of of Abraham. Verse 10, for the son of man, talking about Jesus, for the son of man came to seek and save what is lost. The son of man came to seek and save what's lost. And fourth and finally, I want to wrap up with this, that Jesus' mission is our mission. So, So Jesus says, hey, I want to tell you my life statement, my mission statement. The Son of Man came to seek and save what is lost. Other places it says that, that, that God didn't come for the righteous, he came for the unrighteous. And so we have to humble ourselves and realize that all of us fall into that category. And then the Son of Man comes to seek and save what's lost. That applies to us. That is Jesus' mission. And at H2O, we want to jump on board with the mission of Jesus. That's what we're all about. As we talk about this series and we wrap this series up, Let Me Be Me, we are about responding to the work of God that he's done in our life, and we're about coming on board as a community with the mission that he's laid out for us. And you think about the power of that, that that we don't have to make up the mission, we just get to jump on board with what God's already doing. We get to jump on board with the fact that Jesus came to seek and save the lost, and we get to be a part of that. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. It's what we call the Great Commission. It's some of Jesus' last words to all of us before he ascends into heaven after his resurrection. And Jesus says this. He says, all authority, has been, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always unto the very end of the age. I love that passage because Jesus starts off with saying, listen, the authority is mine. You get to be part of the mission, but guess what? The authority is mine, and so I'm going to help you. I'm going to empower you. I'm going to equip you. And so church, as you go out and you try to seek and save the lost, which is my mission that I want to invite you into, don't worry. It's not on your authority. It's on mine. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, therefore go. 
And at H2O, that's why we do what we do, because we believe God has literally changed our lives. We believe that God has made us new creations. We believe that God loves every one of us in our brokenness and our sin. And so as a church, we want to rally around that mission. That's why we do everything. That's why we are all over campus and all over the city trying to by Jesus. Christ with people, because we have the authority that's been given to us by Jesus. And then we get to teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you to do. And so as we think about this reality of God's mission, welcoming sinners into the family, I want to ask you where you're at with that. And just reflect on that for a minute. Where are you at with that? Are you in the spot where you're not even sure if you're a sinner? You're not even sure if you need Jesus? Are you in the spot where you know you're a sinner, but you don't think that you deserve to be part of God's family? Because Jesus has an answer for that. Even though you don't deserve it, he extends it to you anyway. Are you a part where you are part of the family and you need to continue to get on board with bringing others into it through the authority that Jesus has given us? I'm so blessed. I'm so excited to just see what God is doing as we're continuing to reach this campus and the city. And I'm just so thankful to be part of God's mission. I hope that you are as well. So I'm going to pray, and even as I pray, as Kent was sharing during uh, our time of worship, there's a lot going on within our world right now. I'm going to take even just a few minutes and just pray for the hurricane that's going to be hitting Florida here soon. Many of us have family. I personally have family that are right in the path of it. Uh, and, and I'm going to pray for our hearts as well as what's going on in the world, uh, and that God would even use something like that to invite sinners into his family. So pray with me if you would.